Hello, I'm Micah Woods, Chief Scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center. This is the ATC Double Cut, where I talk about some of the content on the ATC blog. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing a post that I put up about soil and water management, three primary problems with solutions. I'm going to talk about three things that every turfgrass manager should know about irrigation water quality and about problems that can occur to the grass and to the soil if you have any of these particular problems with your water or with your soil. I think that this is an absolutely fascinating topic and I have been surprised as I've been doing these ATC double cuts at the wide range of topics that we end up discussing because it's gone in some recent episodes, uh, tournament, uh, tournament preparation fertilizer cost and the use of urea as fertilizer. And we've also talked about carbon-based fertilizer and whether that makes sense. And we've talked about firmness of playing surfaces, talked about playability. In this, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about this post, which is, as I mentioned, the soil and water management, three primary problems with solutions, which is something that's very fundamental and everybody should know it. But I think because this topic involves a bit of chemistry, it involves a bit of calculation if you want to actually solve the problem. And because it can be a little bit complicated, it's a complex subject. I think sometimes turfgrass managers get a little bit confused or side, uh, what should I say, distracted from the things that they really should be concerned about to make sure that they get right when it comes to salinity and sodicity and nutrient deficiencies, which is what this post is about, about these soil and water management, three primary problems with solutions. I'm going to put a direct link to this post in the description uh, in the show notes here. So whether you're watching this or whether you're listening to it, if you just go to the episode website and check out the show description, you will be able to find a direct link to this. And I'm not going to bore you with too much mathematics and too much chemistry, but I'm going to explain why why every turfgrass manager needs to know these things, needs to know these fundamental things. In fact, this was a handout. This originally was a handout that I gave for a seminar, I believe in 2014 at the Sustainable Turfgrass Management in Asia conference in Pattaya, Thailand. And this is a, a handout that I made as a web page. So I'd had this on my website as a uh, kind of a standalone page. And I thought, you know, I, I keep recommending to so many people to check this out as here's a general summary of what you should understand about salinity. And here's an example of how to work through solving that problem. Here's what you should understand about sodium hazard of water. And here's how to work through, here's an example of how you'd work through that. And here's what you should understand about nutrient deficiencies. Here's a way to work through that. These are fundamental things that I 
kept recommending to people. And I thought, you know, instead of having that on a standalone website that is, is not really indexed by any search engines, I'll go ahead and put this onto my blog, let people see it as a blog post, and then it's searchable and I can easily share it with people in the future as well. So this post goes, here are three primary things to be concerned with when considering soil and water. Number one, salinity. Number two, the sodium hazard and nutrient deficiencies. I threw in a picture there. (laughs) The picture that I put in this post is none of those. The picture shows some absolutely horrid irrigation water pressure at a golf course in Japan. So the there just was not enough pressure to pump water through those heads. And uh, there's just horrid uh, coverage. But I, I thought that would get people's attention. And I know uh, when I posted this on social media, and this was the share image that people saw on social media, I, I think on Facebook and on LinkedIn, there were some comments about people saying they it's typical that people won't click through and read the post. And so they were saying, well, the problem is poor irrigation coverage. The problem is the irrigation pump and so on. Uh, that actually isn't what this is about. I just put that image there to show, yeah, that's another problem that can happen with irrigation. In fact, in the caption of that image, I said, water pressure and irrigation coverage. That's another thing that one needs to get right, but I don't discuss that in this post. And I think the water pressure and irrigation coverage is something that you can go measure it, and I recommend measuring it, but you can also see it when it's as terrible as it is in this particular image, when it's this bad, then you can see that you have a problem. It's obvious. But the things in this post that I think everybody should understand can be invisible until it is too late. I'll repeat that. The salinity and the sodicity or sodium hazard and the nutrient deficiencies, they can be invisible because they're in the chemistry of the water or the chemistry of the soil, and they can accumulate or deplete to levels at which they will cause a problem with turfgrass performance, and you won't really see it until you have a turfgrass problem, which to me is too late. And that's why one needs to test the irrigation water and one needs to test the soil if you want to manage turf the way that I recommend doing it in order to make sure that these potentially catastrophic problems that could happen if you do have a salinity problem that goes unmanaged, or if you have a sodicity problem that goes unmanaged, or if you have a nutrient deficiency problem that goes unresolved, it can lead to catastrophic failure. If you have a problem with the irrigation pump, it's that's also a catastrophic failure, but it's you can see it. It's not going to sneak up on you. Same thing with the irrigation coverage. If it's as bad as it is in this picture, where there's not even head-to-head coverage here, well, well no, I mean, Um, If you're watching this, you can see that the two sprinklers, the pressure is so low that they don't even overlap at all. It's not, uh, I I misspoke and said head-to-head coverage, but this isn't even throw-to-throw coverage. So there's actually a space 
in the middle where the water is not even reaching. So it's that's obvious. It, anybody can look at that and say, those sprinklers aren't working properly. There's a, a huge problem here. But if there was salt in the water, you wouldn't, you, you don't see that with your eyes. You need to measure it. So let's jump right into salinity and we'll talk about salinity. And here's the thing to understand about salinity is you've got two types of salinity. You've got the salinity in the water, which is rarely going to be at a high enough level to be directly toxic to the grass. But what happens is as you add that irrigation water that contains salt in it, you add that to the soil. And what happens is the grass uses the water as it's growing. But much of that salt that was added through the irrigation water, the salt will remain in the soil. And then the next day you may irrigate a little bit more. And that irrigation water also contains salt. And the grass uses the water. And those salts, again, remain in the soil. So you've got the salts from yesterday. You've got the salts from yesterday's irrigation. You've got the salt from today's irrigation. And then tonight you irrigate again. Then you add more salt and more water. And now you've got three days worth of salt that's in the soil after the grass has used the water. And over time, the salt from the irrigation water accumulates in the soil unless it is leached away. And eventually the salt, if it's not leached away, eventually the salt that's added through the irrigation water can increase in the soil to a level at which the grass can no longer tolerate it. And when that happens, when the grass cannot tolerate the level of salt that's in the soil, then the symptoms that you will see will tend to look like drought stress. It's, it's an interesting one to see. And I hope you never have to see it because it's, uh, it, it's a, a terrible thing to see, but it is grass that looks like it is dry. It is grass that the leaves, the foliage will wilt because it can't get enough water from the soil. But then when you go check the soil, you see that there's lots of water in the soil. The soil remains wet. And the issue, what's happening there, is the salt in the soil um, increases the osmotic potential to such a level that the water that is in the soil can't go into the roots anymore. So even though the the grass is growing in a soil that has a lot of water in it. There's so much salt in the soil solution that the grass roots cannot use that water that's in the soil. So you need to keep the salinity in the soil from increasing to such a level where that can happen. And there are a series of equations that you can go through to calculate this. You never want that salinity problem to happen in the soil where you have the grass suffering from salt-induced drought stress. You never, ever want that to happen. So you don't wait for it to happen. What you do is you measure the salinity in the irrigation water, and then you calculate how much salt is being added, and you, you predict how that salt that is added through the irrigation water may increase the salinity in the soil and
From that, you can calculate a leaching fraction, which is how much extra water needs to be applied in order to leach those salts below the root zone. Now, this is something that's a little bit counterintuitive, and I've talked with many turfgrass managers who, after the conversation, I feel like they haven't quite gotten it. They, they don't at first understand that the solution to water with the salinity problem is more of that bad water. So if we call water that has a salt, uh, has a high salt concentration in it, if we call that bad water, some people try to add less of that water and think they're going to get better grass that way. But if it's not raining to leach those salts through, the solution is to add more of that poor quality irrigation water. Add more of that water that has a high salt content and leach those excess salts that are added through the irrigation water, leach those below the root zone. The way that you do that is a two-step process. I put the equations right here in the post. First, you calculate the leaching requirement using the equation, which is it only has uh, two variables. You, you need to know your grass tolerance for uh, salinity in the soil, which is termed EC subscript E for extract, for a saturated paste extract of the soil salinity. And the other variable is EC sub W, standing for EC of the irrigation water. EC here is electrical conductivity, and electrical conductivity is the standard way to assess the irrigation water salinity because pure water, water that doesn't contain salt, doesn't conduct electricity. And as you put more and more salt into the water, it will conduct more and more electricity. And so you can use the electrical conductivity as a way to assess how much salt is in the water. Some people may, well, I will explain where to get those values. There's, there's two values, right? We've got the ECW, that's the irrigation water salinity. You can either measure that yourself if you have a salinity meter, or you do that from a water sample that's been sent to a laboratory. And the second variable that you need to know in that equation is the ECE, the electrical conductivity of a soil extract. That is a tolerance level. You put in there the tolerance level of the grass, the safe level for the grass at which the, the salinity level in the soil at which the grass can tolerate that amount of salt. Where can you get that number? Well, if you scroll down to the bottom of the post, there is a table in Hari Vandi's guide uh, for irrigation water quality. I recommend a concise guide, which is Haravandi's document entitled Interpreting Irrigation Water Test Results. There is a table in that guide that gives for all the common turf grasses what is recommended as a tolerant level. So you, you put that in for the ECE, and then 
Once you have that leaching requirement, you can calculate your water requirement. So now you need to know your grass's evapotranspiration rate. And you might look at this over a daily period or a weekly period or a monthly period to sum up the ET. And you take the water requirement, which is, or I mean, you calculate the water requirement as ET divided by one minus the leaching requirement, which was calculated from that previous equation. You do those. So those equations are in this post. You calculate that. Now you know exactly how much water to apply. So I give an example here, which is a irrigation water with an EC of two. And if we're growing Bermuda grass, we want to keep the soil EC at eight or below. And if we have an ET of five millimeters per day, which would be uh, almost a quarter inch of water per day. If we work through that, it turns out that we need to apply 5.3 millimeters of water per day. So we, instead of adding five millimeters of water per day, which is the evapotranspiration rate, we need to increase that for that, for the situation of having an irrigation water with a a EC of two and wanting to keep the soil from getting above an EC of eight, the amount of irrigation that we need to apply would be 5.3 millimeters, which is a, a little bit more than the, than the evapotranspiration rate that's calculated of five. So the way that it works to manage the salinity problem is just add a little bit more water. It's, it's quite simple to do that, but this is something that everybody should should work through for their site and then you you obviously need to have a good drainage system because if you're adding more water than et that water needs to drain away i also note in the post that leaching of salts is much easier in sand root zones then the second problem so that just to summarize that first problem the first problem is salinity the the problem is too much salt in the soil that's added through irrigation water. It can actually kill the grass and it does that by a salt induced drought. And the solution is to leach those salts. And it's, it's easy to, to figure out how to do that by working through those equations. I put links to some other documents. I also put a, a link to the leaching for maintenance document from the university of Arizona. Then the second problem is a sodium hazard. Sodium hazard is a like a chemical induced, a sodium induced water infiltration problem. It's not a problem in sand root zones. It's a problem in soils that contain clay and the soil structure gets destroyed because the sodium, when it increases to a high enough level in the soil, it deflocculates the clay particles and instead of the there being good soil structure that water can move through all of a sudden the soil deflocculates the water cannot move through all the clay particles that are no longer connected and the the water will just sit on the surface and this is diagnosed the sodium hazard or a sodic soil condition is diagnosed when sodium occupies 15% or more of the cation exchange sites. In this section of the blog post the about sodium hazard, I work through the solution to this, which is to add gypsum. 
and I show how to calculate exactly how much gypsum is required in order to displace the amount of sodium that's in the soil. And um, by displacing the sodium and replacing it with calcium, the soil structure can be restored and the sodium will then leach through the and and into the drainage system the the sodicity problem will go away now this may need to be repeated if water with a high sodium absorption ratio is continuously applied to the site so what i've shown in this post is how to do a one time um displacement of sodium and replacing it with calcium and you may need to calculate how much sodium is added over time and then you would schedule how much gypsum which is calcium sulfate calcium sulfate dihydrate you would calculate how much gypsum should be applied on a repeating schedule based on how much sodium is added in irrigation water over time this is another problem that involves testing your irrigation water testing your soil and then calculating how much gypsum to apply so i work through that example and then the third thing that i say can be a problem in soil and water is nutrient deficiencies and i give a very simple answer for this one which is that nutrient deficiencies can be avoided by applying just what the grass requires. I gave two articles. I gave um, links in this post to two articles. The article that we wrote, myself, Larry Stoll, and Wendy Galerter in the January 2014 issue of Golf Course Management Magazine that explains how soil tests can be used to ensure the grass is supplied with all the required nutrients using MLSN. And I also gave um, a link to a post that, um, or to a handout that I wrote called Nutrient Requirements of Tropical Turf Grass, which I was writing about warm season grasses specifically, but if you download that and read it, you'll see that it works through a procedure that could be used for any type of grass um, to, to find out what the nutrient requirements would be. Nutrient deficiencies are something that I think should be avoided and you can do that by doing a soil test, seeing how much is in the soil. Then you look at what grass you're growing, how much the grass is going to grow over time. As you look at how much the grass is going to grow, you can find how many nutrients it could possibly use. And you can then supply those nutrients as fertilizer. And through that procedure, you can basically eliminate the risk of nutrient deficiencies. All of these things involve a little bit of calculation. So I put links here to guides that I think are, are really good for this. I put links for additional reading to what I mentioned earlier, Hari Vandi's interpreting irrigation water test results. That, that is really superb. I gave a link I included a link to a very detailed guide called Water Quality for Agriculture, which goes through salinity and sodicity in tremendous detail. And I also put links to two guides about nutrients. One is about um, 
One is one that I wrote, which is a, uh, a guide for calculating the growth potential and finding how that can be related to potential nitrogen use at a site. And then the other link that I put in was a link to the Pace Turf Climate Appraisal form where you can download that spreadsheet and it's got all the calculations in it. And I know people from all over the world are using this now where you can put in your site-specific temperature data. You could also put in your site-specific expected maximum monthly nitrogen use. And from those inputs, the calculations embedded in that spreadsheet will make a they will make a calculation of how many nutrients you may need to supply. And I believe you can also put your soil test results in there. Um, Or certainly you could compare your soil test results to whatever that, uh, that spreadsheet is calculating. So I think that these are just fundamental things that everybody should know and not um yeah just yeah you got to get these right if if you get these things right if you if you manage the salinity if you prevent the sodicity problem or or manage that sodicity problem and if you are able to prevent nutrient deficiencies then a lot of other potential problems just go away they they, they never become a problem. Like the whole issue with irrigation water quality, if you list all the potential problems that could happen with irrigation water quality, you can have um, the salinity problem. And then people will talk about other things like specific ion toxicities and tip burn and, um, oh, what, what could you have? Uh, a lack of growth, lack of traffic tolerance, all kinds of things like that. But I think if you, if you solve the big problems first, if you solve the fundamental thing that could be killing the grass, like a salinity hazard or like a, uh, a sodicity problem or like a nutrient deficiency, if you solve all of those problems and you manage those really well, then... Those other more, um, what would we say? I, I would say I'd just call them less primary. Um, they're, they're not abstract because they're quite real. They, they are problems, but they, I just don't see them as a common problem. If you're leaching the salts and managing the salinity, I think it's very rare to have a specific ion toxicity. If you're managing the sodicity and making sure that the sodium added through the irrigation water is not causing a problem, uh, if you're managing that well by applying the proper rate of gypsum in the cases where gypsum is needed, then you are not going to have problems with infiltration rate and, and, and then the turf problems that would come along that would be associated with that. So I encourage people to do this because I think, uh, as I see, well, I don't, I don't think I know I see people doing strange things that are not really necessary, like having a sand based root zone and applying gypsum because gypsum is added 
for the purpose of improving soil structure by displacing sodium in soils that contain clay. But if you don't have clay, if you don't have clay in your soil, like if you have a USGA sand-based root zone on a golf course putting green, you're not going to have a problem with a... You're not going to have a sodicity problem because even if your soil exchangeable sodium got up to 16%, that is not going to cause a problem with water infiltration. You don't need to add gypsum in that case. All you need to do is just add irrigation water to leach the salts to maintain the salinity in the soil at a level below which the grass can tolerate. These are fundamental potential problems and I provide the solutions in this post. I would encourage everybody before the start of the main irrigation season, wherever you are, assuming that you irrigate your turf, I like to measure the irrigation water quality, do a, a uh, irrigation water suitability test on the irrigation water to find out how much salt is in the water, find out what the sodium absorption ratio is, to find out if you're going to be having a risk of having a sodium problem in the soil. And also, as far as preventing nutrient deficiencies go, I recommend soil testing once a year to find out how the soil nutrient levels have changed from the previous year. So if you test once a year, you can see how soil nutrient levels change over time. You can keep track of how many nutrients are added to the soil in between the soil testing events. As you do that, you can then see if the nutrients in the soil are decreasing or increasing at rates more rapidly or more slowly than you would have expected. And from that, you can refine the nutrient supply to make sure that you're applying just enough fertilizer to prevent any nutrient deficiencies and you're not applying any more. Because if you do add more, it's just going to leach through, the soil won't hold it, and it's a complete waste. It doesn't provide a benefit to the grass if you're applying more than the grass can use and more than the soil can hold. This is a post that I, as I mentioned, it was a handout from a conference that I gave, uh, a handout from a seminar that I gave at a conference some years ago. And it's one that I have sometimes referred to because I put links in there to such good additional supplemental information. Dr. Hari Vandi's handout about interpreting irrigation water quality, uh, ir interpreting irrigation water tests for turf grass, and also the uh, FAO irrigation water or salinity uh, article that has so much detailed information about that. So it's got some really good links in it and it has examples that you can check out. So everybody should prevent salinity problems, prevent sodicity problems, prevent nutrient deficiencies, and you can find out how to do it in that post, which uh, you can find a direct link to that in the description. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I will be back again soon with more on a, uh, a different topic. I, 
I have been looking at all the topics on the blog and it's, it's quite varied. So I think the next one um, may be about grass selection. We'll see. I have a number in the queue. Uh, I've got a number of posts that I have yet to talk about and some classic ones that I'm really looking forward to talking about. So thanks for listening. I really appreciate everybody's interest in these topics and uh, just, yeah, the, this it's not human interest type of stuff. It's really uh, semi-technical turf grass information. I find it a source of uh, endless fascination and uh, I guess anybody that listens to this or watches this uh, finds it that way somehow too. So there's a few of us around the world and it's pretty cool that we can study this and learn together. Thanks again for ATC from Yantikau, Thailand. I'm Michael Woods.